Yo. Elsie, how you doing? What's up, man? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Oh, God. I'm still waking up, and you're fucking getting close to afternoon. So, Yeah, it's 2 o'clock here. Oh, fuck sakes. Yeah, I had two coffees and an espresso, and yeah. I'm still I'm on the uh, Bloody Marys already. <laughs> Very hungover. Well, not for long if you're already on the Bloody Marys. Yeah. <laughs> so, wait, you're in Rhode Island, right? Yes. The fucking communist state of Rhode Island. Is that New England? Is that? Yes. So, New England's like a collection of states, right? Yeah. So, New England is like. Uh... Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine. Some people say New York, but we don't claim New York. Fuck New York. Right. I heard Vermont's kind of cool or not. I love Vermont. Yeah. I absolutely love it. I lived there for like three years or something. Probably, I think it was around three years. I don't know. It's kind of blurry at that point in life, but what a fucking great place to live. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'd go if I had to go to America. They have very... Uh, it was the first experience I ever had living on, like, the barter system. Right. You know, where people would, like, trade services. You know, you I owned a business when I lived up there. Um, I was doing property maintenance for the big banks after the housing collapse. Right. And, uh, you know, guys would come and help me work. And then... You know, I would go and help them split firewood for the winter or I would go, you know, help them shovel their driveway out or, you know, take care of the animals or whatever in the winter. So it was really neat experience to see people like trading value for value. And there wasn't a lot of money. There's a lot of money of the people that visit, but the people that are actually from there are very, very poor. Right. But they don't know they're poor. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like they and think it, they have enough. And it's near Boston, right? Um it's probably three hours right. from Boston. Like northwest. And, and you're you're a Massachusetts boy. I was born and raised in Massachusetts, yes. Right. A Unfortunately. Mass-hole. A masshole, yes. That's that's <laughs> that's where I get my uh my charming demeanor. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've got I've got a buddy from from uh, Massachusetts, and he's similar sense of humor to you. <laughs> so he's a fucking asshole. Yeah, he's a messhole. <laughs> Hillbilly. Oh, yes, yes. I'm. I'm a yeah. So I'm. I'm what I like to call a swamp Yankee. Right. So that's uh, that's like the way I was raised. This this area, it's like the the um. Shooting like, alligators. Yeah, I mean we don't have alligators, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're so we're did, just like redneck, you know. Where did you shoot your alligator then? Florida. All oh, right, okay, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, God's waiting room. <laughs> cool. That, so you, have, are you in the mining room? Yeah, I was gonna say. So I have a minor room in the background. Is it too loud? Is it annoying? No, I can kind of hear it, but I figured that's probably your minors. Yeah, yeah. Well, I unplugged a couple because I can't have them all running. It's way too fucking loud in here when they're all running. So yeah, I've been 
tempted, but uh, well, mostly through Jeremy, Jeremy. Um, but the cost of power here is so expensive; it's like twenty nine cents kWh. Holy fuck! Twenty p, so like twenty pence, which is about yeah. twenty twenty nine cents. And Jeremy, he did a post. It was like he gets it six cents for kWh. I don't know what you pay, but probably. Yeah, Similar it's like seven. I mean, it. so the way it works here is it depends on how much power you use. Yeah. So it's completely fucked like everything else in the fiat system. Right. Um, so you would think the less power you use, your power would be cheaper. Right. Not the case. So at my house, uh, pre-COVID, it was 13 cents a kilowatt hour. Um, okay. If I draw more than 25 kilowatts or, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. 25 kilowatts, then it's like seven cents a kilowatt hour. If I draw more than 500 kilowatts, it's like two cents a kilowatt hour. Really? Okay. So they talk, you know, it's funny because you see all this shit in the news where they talk about like, oh, the company, you know, the government and everything supposedly wants everything to go green and or quote-unquote green and quote-unquote renewable, but here they are giving everybody a break. The more power you use, the cheaper it is. So if they were really trying to incentivize you to go with these green things, it would be the opposite. If you want to use massive amounts of power, you have to pay a premium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's, it's made up to make the average person think that that's what they want. I had to go to a, a church fair which is like, I don't know, it's probably a fucking horribly American thing, but... So we have a church fair in the town that I live in, and yeah. they, had, they had this fucking booth of, like, make Rhode Island uh, carbon neutral and 100% green by 2030, and I was like... My wife just, like, squeezed my hand, and I'm like, please, just let me go over there. <laughs> please. I just want to ask him some questions. Like the they don't the they don't understand. They just it's people looking for a cause, and it's so fucking sad. Yeah, it's just a new tax, isn't it? ESG communism. Yeah, it's a new. Yeah, it's always you know. There's in different eras, you always have these different purposes that groups of people who have no fucking purpose latch on to. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a scam, dude. Like, when I was growing up in the 80s, it was all about global cooling. Like, we're, you know, we're going to freeze to death, so we've got to stop using hairspray, right? <laughs> now it's fucking... Then it was global warming, and now it's an emergency. You know, it's just a new way of taxing people. It's bullshit. They were hating on the white rain back then. White spray rain. <laughs> got to spray that white rain, keep your hair up. Yeah. So, uh... Um, so I went, actually, yesterday, um, we had, like, the remnants probably two, three days ago. I can't remember now. Uh, the remnants of that hurricane came up to the northeast, and it was fucking awful. Yeah. So my father's basement flooded. Um, so I spent all day yesterday, like, pumping that out and mm. cleaning all the shit out of the basement. And I found a tote full of shit from when I was a kid. And there was pictures from when I went to England. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I was flipping through. It was too funny. I was like, wow, 
it's so sad because like I want to take my wife and my kids to go see the things that I got to see when I was young. Like we went to Warwick Castle and yeah, you know, I got to see like a lot of cool shit as a kid. And uh, you know, my mom was uh, a sales rep for breweries. And we got to go over there to see like hops from England and Wales and all kinds of cool shit. And so your mum's not the Portuguese is your dad's side, right? Or your mum's? Both. Oh, both. Okay, cool. Yeah, I actually live right on the edge of a what we call it Little Portugal, which is in south of London. Really? Yeah, there's a Portuguese and Brazilian community. It's very cool. Lots of great steak restaurants. Oh, the food's amazing. That's the funny part is where I live in New England, like if you, it's very, very small, like uh, concentrated population. But in New England, the area that I'm from is heavy, heavy Portuguese. Right. Like the whole town where, I, you know, my family is from, the, the two or three nearby cities are just almost 100% Portuguese. Oh, wow. There's, you know, there's uh, got to be a dozen Portuguese restaurants in all the cities that, you know, you go to the regular supermarket. That's like a nationwide chain. You go to Walmart and they sell like Charisse and Portuguese sausage and, you know, Caserla. So it's like yeah. it's very prominent. Here. prominent here. Yeah, because down in sort of Pennsylvania is more sort of German heritage, right? Yes. Dutch. Yeah. Yeah, I've got some family out there. It's beautiful out there. I would, I would definitely. Uh, we're looking at a third location, and uh, it's going to be somewhere down around that area, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, somewhere in that area. So that's your escape hatch. Well, see, yeah. I had an original escape hatch in Maine, right? Uh, but Maine's gone like almost full commie, so. Yeah, that's a that's a no go now. Like I have a place in Maine that's in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, I think you were talking about that on your last pod. Yeah. Um, like no running cool, water kind of camp. Yeah. <laughs> but wait, where are you now? You're in like a town, or you're in rural yeah, I'm in a t- area. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a town, but the town is we don't have a gas station. Okay. <laughs> so if that gives you an idea how small the town I live in is. Yeah. There's probably five, six thousand people in the winter. Okay. All right. So it's like uh you see the affair? Did you see that show? No. Dominic Dominic West. It's also it's all in like Long Island and I forget the name of the town, but it's like uh you know, quite working class community, but then during the summer all the kind of rich people from New York come up and you know, they've got the summer houses. That's exactly what I live in. Yeah. My so my father bought his house for fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, and uh, that was when I was I don't know probably six, and that same house will go for just under a million. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, ever since the people like you said the people from New York, people from New Jersey found this town, they're selling two acre lots with an ocean view for $3 million with nothing on it. Yeah. 
you couldn't give and you talk to my grandparents and my grandparents will tell you you couldn't give that land away in the 60s really like nobody wanted to live there because it was right on the ocean and it was poor farmers and working class people and back then the thought process was why would i want to live on the ocean do you know how expensive it's going to be to try to keep that house warm in the winter when the yeah. when the you know when the wind's blowing off the ocean yeah it's crazy and now you know they want it because they come up twice a year i watched we did a uh, i drill wells so we did a well for a guy who bought a house right on the water it was this tiny cottage right on the water for 3 million dollars he leveled the house and built a $7 million house. Yeah. And has probably been there once since he built it. Right, right. Yeah. He, he built an Olympic-sized swimming pool, and I kid you not, you could, sit in the swim, you could sit in the swimming pool and throw a baseball into the ocean. Wow. It makes no sense. It's such a disgust. like, yeah, I see such a disgusting side of, like, the fiat system being in a town where people who are heavily involved in that like to vacation yeah i mean look i've got we've got our own sort of escape location so to speak but um you know i think as as we all feel like in bitcoin it's like you know you've got to get off the grid you've got to go out outside the cities you've got to start homeschooling your kids but i think there's going to be a kind of tilting point where the value starts to come out of real estate and also i think you want to wait for that tilting point where you know the communists aren't your governments aren't don't have the ability to uh you know seize your land or uh put it put in wealth taxes or you know whatever it may be and i think that you know if you've got an end goal of going off grid, you probably don't want to be doing it right now. It's like a laser huddle. I don't know if you, you, you or, or, I think we all follow laser, right? He's a program. Yeah, I'm, I follow him, but I don't think I've ever heard him on a pod. I know he did a pod that a lot of people were talking about a couple of yeah, weeks ago, and it's on my he, list. Yeah, he did a pod with Marty, um, which was great. And I think they've just recorded a new one. But then Alex Svetsky got him on a pod with, it's like all the, kind of the great guys like mark moss um liberty blitz michael krieger uh laser huddle i talked uh, to krieger quite a bit oh do you yeah we talk about uh farming yeah like yeah i, I, yes. I before i oh, knew and, and, he and was joel, like joel, a big name yeah yeah joel joel is on that one as well the untapped growth so yeah, it's not yeah. come out yet but it's that that's gonna be a good one yeah i'm excited for that like like-minded dudes yeah, I think like um you know that's that's really always been my goal anyway. Like before even before I found Bitcoin and like really my eyes were really open to like what was going on financial wise in the world. It's like my yeah. goal has always been to get the fuck off grid. Like yeah. find somewhere where people would just leave me alone. Yeah, I mean that's that's just the crazy thing, isn't it? We we just want to be left the fuck alone, you know. And it's like governments right now (laughs) that's all they want to do is not leave us the fuck alone yeah i laughed i commented on there was some fucking some nazis post about how 
they should set up a big area of land for all the people who don't want to get vaccinated and just put them all there and don't allow them to have they went down this list like don't allow them to have state health care and don't allow (laughs) them to have state this and state that and i'm like i comment that i'm like so give us a bunch of land for free and leave us the fuck alone sounds great like when (laughs) do we do that (laughs) no i remember i think there was there was a post like that and he ended it with no taxation if you're not vaxxed right (laughs) and i think i think the dude was a troll but you you had like all the nazis commenting like yeah make them you know make exclude them from society but everyone's like yeah that's basically what we want <laughs> yeah really like give us give us a piece of land the size of texas yeah and put all the bitcoiners and all the people who want to be sovereign inside of it and don't give us any state aid and check yeah. back in 20 years yeah yeah we'll we'll look after ourselves yeah yeah right we'll have no one living in poverty <laughs> We'll yeah. have a fantastic society, and you guys will be the Hunger Games. Circular Bitcoin economy. Yeah, it's value for value. It's exactly what I experienced living somewhere where the barter system was being used. Yeah. That's exactly what you'll see. You'll see... Uh, this is how I see it. You'll see people exchanging value for value, whether it be services for services. And if you don't have a service that person wants, this is the way that money came about. This is the way that money should be, right? Money shouldn't be the ultimate thing of exchange. Money should be the last resort of exchange. Like I can do this, this, and this for you, but if you don't like any of the things that I do, then last resort, I have this money that... Yeah, no worries. Uh, I don't know what happened. Um, I think my phone locked and it cut me off. Yeah, it does all kinds of good stuff. I have this... Hey, listen, it wouldn't be an episode of the podcast if I didn't lose connection at least once. <laughs> well, don't rug pull me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was just saying, like, I yeah. I think that it should be the last, you know, money, whether, you know, I ideally it's Bitcoin, right? So Bitcoin should be the last thing that we use to exchange, in my opinion. I think you should bring value to the table. Right. That's what is going to create this society. What can you offer that enriches not only your life, but the other people that are in this community with you? Yeah. Yeah. And if they don't need the service that you provide, then you exchange Bitcoin for their service. Right. But it should be a service for for service exchange first. That's how you breed. That's how you. I don't I don't know if breeds the right word, but that's how you breed a healthy community. Otherwise, yeah. you just have a bunch of cold interactions where it's like, I need this, you have it, here's some Bitcoin, or here's some whatever our exchange of money is, which, again, ideally is Bitcoin. Thanks for your service, I'm going to leave now. Whereas if I have to do something for you, that, that uh, creates a relationship, an experience that we share that leads to a relationship of some sort, whether good or bad. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. But some of us, uh, you know, we might have a, a skill that takes, um, you know, a year or two years or four years to create value, right? Or some of us might have, uh, you know, let's say you're a lawyer, you you know, you're, the value of your time is whatever, 500 bucks an hour, right? We're obviously going to kill all the lawyers. Yeah. But so, but like a professional class is like that, right? Right. 
you do, you don't go and exchange an hour of your time for a for a ribeye steak, right? You say, well, you you put your value into into a store of value, and then you exchange part of that for, you know, a week's worth of steak or whatever. That um, makes but, sense. But yeah, I agree, man. Like if you work with your hands, then you can say, look, I'll fix your your engine, and uh, you know, you sell me your apples, right? Yeah. That's me seeing, I guess that's, I don't know. This is why this stuff's important. This is why this stuff's important, right? Why different perspectives are important. This is why one person standing on a soapbox yelling about the way it should be has never in the history of man ever worked and will never work because Mm. I see it through a blue collar lens, right? I see it through the lens of I'm going to weld your broken trailer and in exchange, you're going to give me a week's worth of steak. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you might come from a different background and you don't see it that way. Which is cool, which is good, because, you know, those things being talked about is what can get us to a place where the society works, as opposed to the point now where it's just like, oh, let's not bother doing any of that. We'll just give all of the money that we make to this one entity and that one entity will give us everything we need and we don't need to think. Yeah, I mean, it's what they're most afraid of is people leaving uh, the, you know, the web of control. And it's, you know, that article, if you, you, I think most people have read it by now, in 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Uh, I, I have no privacy, but I'm fine with that. It's some, uh, I think it was a Norwegian professor, female professor wrote it and it went up on the WEF forum. You can still access it. I think it's on Forbes. Um, but this is a really telling paragraph in that article, which is, um, you know, basically the remnant. They got left behind because they moved out of the cities. We, they moved out of the smart cities. They don't live in the pods with us. They don't have the, you know, the, the, the happy life that we do. They, you know, they moved out to the country and behind. It's like, yeah, no fucking shit. That's... <laughs> that's what's going to happen and you're going to be slaves. Um, yeah. But uh, the problem is the people that come up with those ideas, this is how I see it. The people that come up with those ideas have no value that they add. So yeah. in order for them to achieve their ultimate goal, which is this smart city and this, you know, basically, I don't know if you've ever seen Wally. But Wally, they just want to be fat, useless pieces of shit that sit in electric Uh, chairs and they get fed and they get washed. They don't have to do anything. But in order to achieve that end, they need literal slaves in order to make that happen. So they want to brainwash as much of the population as they can into believing that they can also have that. But you'll never have that. You're just going to be in there slaving away to make sure that the up the top, it won't even be 1%. The top quarter of a percent gets to live the, the you know, dream that they want to live for their future while you do nothing but provide that for them. Fuck them. Excellent. Sorry, man. I've <laughs> turned it off now. My phone kept it locked. I don't know why. but Because um, it's it my podcast. Off. That's what it does. It's um, bad luck. Yeah. So yeah, basically, 
just to wrap up that thought, like that's really how I see it going down. You're going to have – it's going to be such a propaganda wall that makes you believe that outside of their smart city – life is shit and you're going to starve out in the desert and there's people eating people and it's so uncivilized. You'll have the quarter of a percent that live like way beyond Kings. They'll live like gods on earth. Yeah. And then you'll have everybody who's actually outside of that, that has that we have our own society and it's much better functioning than what they have. I see it's going to get split down the middle. I, I, I love the idea that we're going to rise up and crush these fucking scum. I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I am surprised, like, living outside of America that the kind of patriot, red state gun owners have not... I don't know, maybe they they are standing up a bit more now. Like, I keep seeing these videos of the school boards where, you know, you've got kind of more freedom loving parents and they're going up against the school board saying, you know, you, you work for us motherfuckers, you know, and, uh, we're not going to take your shit anymore. But, um, it kind of surprised me last year that there wasn't more of that, like with all the riots that were happening, like cities being destroyed. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe it just is like people just want to be left the fuck alone, you know? Yes. They like to paint it that the red like you said the red state the gun owning however you know that that frame they like to frame those people as like these angry violent people that if anybody tries to stand up for their own rights they're going to come and kill you because you're not like them when the Mm. the exact opposite is true like you said we just want to be left the fuck alone Mm. i don't want to be bothered if, don't get me wrong. If we see extreme, uh, you know, what the fuck is the word I'm looking for? Like uh, tyranny. Yes. Where people's rights are just being completely crushed. Yeah, we have, you know, there's organizations in this country like the Proud Boys that will show up and fuck your shit up. Right. But for the most part, we just want to be left the fuck alone. Mm. I don't, I'm not, because... Chicago, the people in Chicago that complain about people like me are going to go and riot and burn down their own businesses. I'm not going there to interfere in that. Mm. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Destroy your own life. What the fuck? Yeah. But I think, you know, the, it, it is 100% the last bastion of freedom is the gun owning patriots who want to be, you know, who are libertarian and thinking in the USA that will be the last bastion because you can see what they're doing now is they're doing canary tests. It's little canaries in the coal mine. Australia obviously is the first canary to be sacrificed on the world stage. They're just going full Nazi. I think Canada will probably be next. So Um, I'm seeing other stuff out of, out of Australia though, too. Right. That like, it's not, see, I'll admit right now, I'm completely ignorant to the way that, Australia works. I thought it was like European countries where it's just you have a government and it's a country and that's what it is. But apparently Australia is split into states like the United States and each one is relatively independent of the others. 
No, well, I lived in Australia for a few years and Australia is part of the Commonwealth, which means it's owned by the Queen, right? Uh, by the Windsor, you know. Yeah, yeah, the Queen of England, the Windsor family. So they own, obviously, United Kingdom, um, not Ireland. Ireland's part of uh, Europe, but they own Northern Ireland, which is a part of, obviously, north of the European country. South Africa, Canada, uh, Fiji, Australia, New Zealand, they're all they're all under crown control. So you have you might have a prime minister in Australia who runs the parliament, but you but you have uh, I think they call it governor of Australia who who basically acts for the Queen. And it's very different in the UK and 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 Australia is the police work for the Queen, whereas in other parts, for example, in Europe, the police work for the state and uh, uh, they're essentially civil servants, but you don't have that in the Commonwealth. So, I mean, the states in Australia, like, you know, Queensland and New South Wales and Canberra. Yeah, I mean, they may have independence and they may have different uh, premiers within those states calling the shots, but it's not that much different from the states in, in USA. Um, but but it, it, they're not, it's not a republic, you know, it's it's everything is owned by the queen of england that is wild yeah so so essentially yeah. like like you said all the police and everything in the uk work for the state so they're you know they serve the people but in somewhere like a territory of the crown it's more like a monarchy where the crown can just kind of do what it wants yeah i mean the queen of england she she owns all the police they all work for her I mean, the Queen of England even fucking owns all the swans in, in, in England. Like, if you kill a swan, it's like, uh, you know, yeah, you can go and kill a pigeon, nothing's going to happen to you. But the, the swans in England, they're all owned by the Queen. She just automatically owns all of them. Right? Yeah. Oh, we need, to, we need to continue down this rabbit hole. All I ever have is fucking Americans on here. So you have all this information that none of us have because we're super fucking ignorant about anything that usually anything that happens outside of our state, but at least right. outside of the United States. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, when you, I think, was it you saying last on your last pod that your wife's kind of into conspiracies or was that? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So when you start looking at the, the 300 families, you know, um, or, you know, i I've been researching all this shit for like 20 years since 9-11. Excellent. Let's fucking go. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, the Queen of England is like, she's, you've probably seen that kind of pyramid of who's in control and, you know, the banking families like Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. And, but then you have all the bloodlines, which is the Bush family and, uh, the Windsor family, the Queen of England and even the Gates and, and the, and the, um, what are the Walmart family called? Um, not, um, not, not Taylor. It's, it's like, um, uh, anyway, it's, it's like, it's all the bloodlines that they trace back and they think, you know, we've come from the house of David, which is, you know, the, the oldest biblical sort of Jewish bloodline. And I mean, all this shit now, I, I don't think it's anything to do with race, whether you're, you know, the Walton family. Walton, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's 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 all just become 
almost satanic, really, because they they live unto their own rules and um, within their own very very strange. I mean, I think it's fucking satanic. What a lot of the shit that people don't realize is going on with these people. Yes. So I don't. I don't know. So my experience with people like that is pretty shallow, but I did have um, the experience of being around somebody who had a connection to the generational money like that. Right. And they don't live on the same planet we live on. No, no, 100%. I mean, I know an American billionaire whose his family have been in politics, um, libertarian, actually. But um, may or may not be able to guess who it is, but um, like that, the whole family is like they they never touched money. They've never touched cash. It's like everywhere they go, you just you you tell them your name, and so you. It's like everything is. Uh, it's it's already settled. It's already paid for, and you actually, most of the time, this is the crazy thing about rich people is they don't have to pay for shit. It's like I know a lot of celebrities and they just get sent free cars, free clothes, you know, it's like, that's what's crazy about money is the, is the, the kind of moss ball of, um, cash flow is that money goes to money. And when you're a multimillionaire and you want a sports car, you'll probably just get sent one, you know? Yeah. And that's the, it goes back to the, now I know it's not on the same level, but the saying is so true that you know it it takes money to make money and i always said you know when i was in my early 20s and like grinding and had a couple of businesses and trying to like trying to get out of like lower class like right. just trying to break that line and feel like i was like middle class right and i always said man if somebody gave me 500 grand I'd be a millionaire in yeah. two years. Yeah. Cause you, you, I always had all these great ideas, but I'm like, it fucking takes money to do that. Like, where does the money come from to do that? Where these people don't have that issue. They say they look at, that's why I guess I'm not a hundred percent sure what the cantillionaire effect is, but I'm assuming that's sort of what it is that yeah it's it's proximity to the money printer whether that be you know you're a government bureaucrat or you're you know um nancy pelosi who can make you know calls on whatever stock options she knows that the congress are going to pass that you know this green esg shit but i think old money and very very wealthy or like billionaire families aside the wealthy don't want their secrets of how for, you know, for working class people, they don't want those secrets out. So I spent my whole life is the, the stock market was always a mystery to me till I was like fucking 40 years old because they don't want you to, un- they, they don't want you to know that it's easy. <laughs> you put, you put your money on some stocks and they will go up because fear is depreciating. So right. they make, they confuse it all with, you know, the, whatever the, the, the Bloomberg, you got to have the terminal. You got to understand all the shit that goes on, like the financial news. Um, you got to have a broker. You can't just buy in. And 
what's happened with Bitcoin is is completely changed all that. Is you know you can download a, 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 a you know a Bitcoin exchange onto your phone, transfer a hundred bucks across, and you got skin in the game. It's that easy. And if you could ride out the volatility, you're you're in the game. You know you're you're um, you've escaped uh, the trap of inflation that, that essentially makes poor or working class people, even middle class, um, uh, deteriorate their wealth. Oh, yeah. And um, the middle class thing is a bit of smoke and mirrors, too, because the way, you know, culturally engineered, the way our culture is engineered, I guess I should say, mm. is in a way that the more money you have, you are more highly targeted and more highly uh, influenced to spend. Right. Like my brother makes six figures and I have more money than he does. Right. Right. Because, he, you know, you, you're taught, at least in America, you're taught and advertised to in a way. And I think with the advent of the Internet, the whole like America thing isn't as relevant as relevant as it once was. Uh, being that, you know, you're kind of targeted through advertisement the same way, no matter where you are, as long as you're connected to the Internet. But mm. you're in, you know, you're encouraged to buy the next whatever. You know, my brother put a fucking pool in his front yard this year. Now, I don't mm. have anything against pools, but hear me out. The town I live in and the town he lives in are right next to each other. Neither one of us are more than 10 minutes from the beach. Right. There's no fucking reason to put a $20,000 pool in your front yard when you live five minutes from the beach. <laughs> this is yeah, not. I'm, I mean, dude, look, what, what literally astounds me is that there is so many people that do not understand if you make a shit ton of money, but you spend more than you make, you're fucking poor. <laughs> and it's just absolutely astounding to me how many people don't understand that if you want to be rich you have to spend less than you earn it's that simple and ideally you invest the money that you don't spend and ideally you put that money into bitcoin because it's the best asset in the world but people don't understand that they think well i make loads of money so i want the big house i want the porsche i want the range rover you know i want the bmw i want to go on holiday i want to go skiing and people I don't know, man. It's 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 crazy, and it's kind of like what you're saying with your brother. Obviously, I don't know the guy, but it's like you're wealthy. You're wealthier than him, you said, and yet he feels the need. He's got to put a pool in his front yard, right? Yeah, and accessible capital. I'm definitely richer than he is. Mm. Like it, uh, and especially because all of my wealth is in Bitcoin. Mm. I can literally pick up my phone, and I have access to everything I own. He can yeah. pick up his phone and he has access to, well, this week it'll be he has access to it on Tuesday because Monday's a holiday. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you don't really have that money, you know? And yeah. But he definitely lives a lifestyle in which he lives beyond his means. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's disgusting to me. I mean, well, it's, I think a big part of it is, I mean, for the, you know, until I found Bitcoin three years ago, just over three years ago, you know, I spent my whole life thinking that, you know, the stock market is too complicated and too scary to enter. 
but real estate is the thing that everybody needs to invest in because the prices will always go up. Yeah, the prices do go up, but the value doesn't really, you know, unless there's a huge increase in the population, the price goes up, but the value kind of just stays the same. It's like everybody wants a house or you can put your money into a house and have it generate a passive income if you rent it out. But I think with leverage and the kind of debt-based system of, of, of the, you know, fiat legacy system that we live in, that's the scam that they want everybody to be in because it pumps their bags. And kind of the secret scam was always, you know, stock market and, 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 and buying other assets like that. Um, the, the, the average working class person is, is shut out of. But even I think, you know, the average working class person, they can't accumulate uh, a portfolio of real estate. You know, they consumption good, right? It's a consumption good. Um, but that's that's what I would that that's what they don't teach you at school, and what you, essentially society teaches you is that you get into real estate, and that's how you can make more money, um, or, or at least have a store of value of, of your of your wealth. Um, and that's what's beautiful about about Bitcoin is it's 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 changed all that. The funny thing is, too, about that, that, um, like, you said consumables, and it just kind of, like, triggered a memory for me that, like, oh, I want to say probably, like, four years before I found Bitcoin, my wife was into multi-level marketing shit on Facebook. Right. Right. And, uh, like, we flew out to Vegas to go to this conference for this fucking multi-level marketing company. And they literally would tell you that, like, this is the best possible thing because it's a consumable. So once you make a customer, they have to come back to you because you're not selling them something that they're going to have forever. You're selling them something that they're going to consume. And once they're done consuming it, they have to buy more. Right. And I remember thinking like, wow, that's fucking genius. And then you start looking around, you're like, yo, that's fucking everything. Yeah. That is well, why when you buy shit now, it doesn't last. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And that a Bitcoin standard would change that because, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd save and you'd wait or, you know, on a Bitcoin standard, you buy, you know, you buy a car that lasts you 200,000 kilometers or you buy, you know, a chair that would last you several generations of your family. Um. And we, you know, you buy a chair now, it probably lasts you two years, you know, before it snaps because it's Chinese plastic. <laughs> um, but I've got chairs in my house that that my parents bought in the 1970s. And I grew up with them at the kitchen table. And now they're at my kitchen table in my house. Um, but you don't get that anymore, really. Yeah, absolutely. My desk that I use for my business is my great great grandmothers yeah like it's solid it has the claw feet on it it's an old secretary's desk it folds up in the front and then that whole top half folds down and it has a bunch of little drawers inside of it yeah yeah like a bureau yeah yeah it's beautiful and i saw it on antiques roadshow the fucking thing's worth a couple grand but i'm like why would i get rid of it it's lasted all this time it served its purpose all this time and it still works better than the shit I don't know about you, but when I buy furniture or anything, like I'll give you an example. I just bought a swing set for my kids. Right. You get down to the last five bolts 
and none of them fucking line up mm. because they don't give a shit. I was explaining it to my wife when we were putting it together. I'm like, they don't care if it all goes together. Mm. I've been in those factories. The way those factories work is they set all the automated machines and they'll run 2000 swing sets before they check one. Right. Right. And then they'll go, Oh, that hole's a little off and they'll readjust and run another 2000 swing sets. Yeah. I mean, that's just fiat world, isn't it? It's like the same with, with cars, you know, they'll, I think I've read something recently about airbags where they've had to recall like fucking 50,000 cars. And then a few years ago, it was all about the diesel emissions, like Volkswagen just globally bullshitted about their diesel cars being uh, low emissions. And they weren't. It's like they were just completely lied because there's no uh, there's no recompense. You know, it's the same with fucking governments now. Fiat governments is there's no recompense. Same with the vaccines. There's no liability. You know, it's like, why would you fucking inject something in your body and now it appears multiple times a year you got to inject this shit if the company making it doesn't even stand behind it? They don't even say, oh, no, it's not going to hurt you. They're like, well, it probably will. It probably might. But we don't want any liability for that. It's fucking bullshit. So my brother works for one of those companies. Right. As a mechanical engineer. Right. And he's showed me some of the things like from the inside. And you would not like you would. It's exact. I can tell you this. People from the outside, especially of like Bitcoin, Twitter, people from the outside will say, oh, you live in an echo chamber. It's Mm. not really like that. It's doom and gloom with you guys. I can fucking tell you that I have seen email threads and shit like that from the inside of one of these companies and it's exactly like that yeah yeah yeah. exactly like that there's conditioning emails that are sent five times a day to tell you how to address people to not offend people that you need to stay x amount away from people that you can't say certain words because they trigger it's exactly how we say it is but there's no exaggeration if anything we're underselling it yeah, I mean, it's the same in the UK. We have, like, the NHS here, National Health Service, and I think it eats about a billion pounds every three days or every five days, something crazy like that. Um, and they're, you know, they say, oh, we're understaffed, COVID's overwhelmed our hospitals, like, you know, all the nurses are heroes. But at the same time, they're, they're ad- literally advertising jobs for, like, £100,000 for, like, a diversity manager and, like, inclusion officers <laughs> so what hey sorry man yeah so like like you were saying you know i i i have a friend that works at a company that's very much like that and uh yeah yeah no i heard you man like and it's the same with the nhs it's a, it's it's basically communism which is where you take the productive members of society and you tax the fuck out of them and the rest of them, these bureaucrats and leeches, they just live off of the, you know, that, like we're saying, the Cantillian effect and taxation of communism is, and it, it, uh, the Bitcoin standard can end that because, uh, I don't know, you, you, you have your own business right now or you're, yes. are you working? Yeah. A few. <laughs> right, right. 
Uh, how did you get into mining, by the way? Because from what I've heard, you've only been in Bitcoin for like, what, since last year? Yeah. I don't know. It seemed interesting to me. So you just, you <laughs> it's just like, took a I believe there's no coincidences and everything happens for a reason. I'm one of those weird people. Yeah, for sure. So I was, I don't even remember exactly how it happened. Jer, uh, Jeremy. Yeah. Like I, I commented something and he was like, oh, you need to know. And he tagged a ton of people who are like, you know, avid miners in this thread that I was in. Yeah. And everybody was just like, yeah, man, anything you need will help you. And, you know, Ronan reached out and gave me his phone number. Like, I don't know. I bought uh, a miner at all time highs. Right. And yeah, I just kind of like, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do this. Like I do all this other being a business owner already. Like I do all this other shit for money. Like people don't realize, like people think working for yourself is so fucking great. Like you don't even know what it's like to have a boss. What you don't understand is when you work for yourself, you have 10,000 bosses. Every fucking person you come into contact with or exchange a service for is a temporary boss of yours. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, sometimes you feel like a fucking sideshow act, like you're just dancing around and moving around for different people for money. And I was like, I just plug this thing into the wall and it makes me money. Why the <laughs> fuck it. would I not do this? That's great. But what, how much was yours? Like 10,000 bucks or? No, I bought an, I bought an S9, which was like the cheapest, right. well, one of the cheapest on the market, but I bought it at all time high. So I paid like $900 for it and. Two months ago, it was like, I don't know. I think I paid 300 for a dozen. Right. Of... <laughs> so, okay. yeah. And then I just, it's been like a slow scaling process since then. I bought one, then I bought another one, then I bought 12. I just bought, or I got linked up with two of my buddies who do memes. And uh, we just went in on 20 miners from Sweden. Wow. So now I'm building a mine in my yard. Yeah, to put those in. It's just it's, it's snowball effect. It's very what, uh, addictive. What do you think your yield will be? Like, let's say from now, twelve months on, how much uh, sats can you yield from your farm? Uh, the one that I, the mine that I'm building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me bring up my calculator. Probably like uh, half a coin a yeah. year. And that's net, like excluding or deducting energy costs. Yeah. That's great. Because in then, a year's time, it's, you know, Bitcoin's probably going to be at like, what, 300, 500? Who knows? Right. And then upgrade slowly. I mean, we bought what we could afford. Yeah. Because, you know, they vary a lot in prices. No different than buying like a car. So as, uh, you know, as the farm starts making money, we'll replace one miner at a time with better quality, better, you know, higher end models and yeah. they mine more coin. And That's hopefully... great. I mean, this is the crazy thing about like, uh, it, they don't teach you any of this shit in school. It's like work, you know, do well in school, get a degree, get a good job and you'll be rich. But actually 
nobody nobody ever taught me about passive income so i've obviously been in real estate for like more than 10 years now but when when you or when you realize passive income is or something like bitcoin or real estate can be a store of value and provide a passive income it's kind of mind blowing really because i i've also like you i've i've been a business owner for the past 10 years and you've got to you know you've got to give all your time to that business but passive income you don't have to give any of the time yes that's exactly how i see it my goal is always is and has always been how do i create something that will provide enough passive income for me and my family that i can spend the maximum amount of time raising my kids with you with your kids yes yeah exactly yeah and that's, I think, what's fucked about society is we're taught all your time should go on your work and then your family gets you, you know, on the weekend or whatever or on vacation. But actually, the, what I think what, at least for Bitcoiners right now, what we're all realizing is if you can exit that system and you can have all your time to yourself or to your family, um, you know, and we... we we, none, of, none of us are like the smartest people. We do have some very smart people in Bitcoin, but we, I think, you know, we're going to be accused of being lucky. We're not. We just, we took, we saw what Bitcoin is and what it can do, um, that it is, you know, it's true and it's free, it's freedom. And uh, I think, yeah, we're, we're, people are going to say, oh, you got lucky. But actually, no, you you took a calculated risk. Um, I was listening to Daniel Prince's pod yesterday. He had uh, one of the boomer Bitcoiners on there. He was saying actually not buying Bitcoin, that's also a risk. Because <laughs> actually the riskiest thing you can do right now, it, it's actually riskier to not buy Bitcoin, to, to, to not make a decision, to not make an investment, to not save your money in, in Bitcoin. Is a, you know, it's a fuck of a lot riskier than actually going all in or having a little bit of skin in the game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as long as Bitcoin maintains an exchange of value, that's why, like, the reason you just described about, you know, we looked at it, we saw it for what it was, and we decided that that's where we wanted to park our wealth. Yeah. Like, that is the reason that, that's what works like it's so it's it gives me an opportunity to like have time to myself and that's also the reason that like fucking price talk bores me like the only time mm. i want to hear about price is if it crashes to other than that i don't care about the price because i know i understand enough i am nowhere near like you said i'm nowhere near an expert on it but i understand enough about bitcoin to know that I know where it's going yeah. and what it's going yeah. to do. Yeah. And until that point, which is 10 years down the line, I don't care. Until that point, all I want to do is keep my miners running, stack sats, and just try to be left alone as much as I possibly can. It's much more pertinent, in my opinion, to be worrying about how do I get myself and my loved ones to an area where we can be the least amount of fucked with that's much more pertinent thought, like line of reasoning right now 
then yeah. I wonder what the price is going to do next week. Yeah, exactly. I think it was it was Michael Krieger who said, um, I don't know. It was one of those one of the one of these guys, maybe Svetsky, just said, "Don't be the low hanging fruit," right? Which is exactly what you're doing. Rural, you've got an escape hatch. You know, you sounds like you probably got guns as well. Anybody tries to come fuck with you, you know, they know what's you know what's going to happen. I have a collection of brass. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's like don't be the low hanging fruit. The you know the libs in the blue states in their fucking pods in the cities, the low hanging fruit, and they're going to get fucked the hardest. And it's weird because they're the ones who are cheering on all this bullshit the most. Yes, and they are the low hanging fruit, like and and they're fucking cheering it on. They will be the first to get fucked. And I think that extends the don't be the low hanging fruit thought process extends to privacy in Bitcoin as well. Yeah, you know, a lot of people like to dog on the samurai people. Anybody who's like big on samurai people who you know uh, recently people have been changed into a Google Pixel with Calyx and yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, all these things that people are doing, some people will dog on it. And they'll be like, oh, that shit's irrelevant, blah, 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 blah. You know, the mixing your coins is irrelevant and all that stuff. And the more I learn about it, the more it's like that's part of not being a low hanging fruit, too, because they might, might not be able to shut down Bitcoin, but they're going to come after the people who are fucking easy. You keep all your coins on an exchange. They're coming for you. Yeah. 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 Like you keep your shit on a hot wallet that's based on a server in the United States. They're coming for you. They just prove that they can do that with all the fucking bullshit that, they, you know, they serve, they uh, seize that server in California for the fucking pipeline or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's the, yeah. It's the same with the stock market. You know, you, you, you're on fucking Robin hood, whatever. I don't care if you made 50,000% gains on GME or fucking doge. It's, it's not your wealth. You don't have liquidity. You're the low hanging fruit. Okay. Yeah. I used to buy, my Bitcoin and Coinbase, but now I'm using Relay, which is a, a Swiss exchange, and it's not KYC free, but it's KYC very light because the only information they have is your bank account number, and so I'm now building a separate stack, which is KY my KYC quote unquote free um, from Relay, and you know if if eventually they do come for all the Coinbase buyers, then you, you you know, okay, they're not going to get your keys unless they put a gun in your mouth, but you want to, you want to be building a KYC free stack or you want to be mining like you are and, 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 and having that separate stack. So you, you're outside of that system and you, you're not low hanging fruit. I think the biggest misconception in that line of reasoning is that and this being the people who say that it's not a big deal is that they're not necessarily, you know, people will say, uh, you know, the classic arguments you hear, well, I'm not doing anything illegal, so I'll be fine. Right. Um, I don't mind paying taxes on the gains that I made because that, you know, I'm fine with that. What you're not seeing is these people don't want to tax Bitcoin. They want to kill Bitcoin. Yeah. They're not coming for you or your little measly fucking hundred grand in taxes that you owe. They'll just shut down Coinbase. Yeah. So all they're not coming after you for the tax. It's just all the money that you put in is now gone. Yeah. 
everything in, they could eat in a minute. They could shut down Coinbase and every fucking thing that's on Coinbase, every single shitcoin token they sell, every Bitcoin they have, it'll stay in the wallet on chain, yes. But we've seen, obviously, with Satoshi's wallet, that, that just because it's in a wallet on chain and you can see it doesn't mean it can be moved. Yeah. If they shut all that down and they seize everything at, at Coinbase, how many coins does that take out of circulation? You know, and a lot of people would be a smart ass and be like, oh, well, that makes the value of my coins go up. Shit like that could be fucking detrimental to Bitcoin. If they shut down four or five exchanges, they shut down Gemini, they shut down Coinbase, whatever else is US based, and they seize all those assets. Yeah. That, yeah, I that mean, look, is bad you, shit. You, you can't trust anyone. I think it was, what's the CEO called Craig? Craig uh, Coinbase? Who was like having secret meetings with Jay Powell. That was, like, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You I can't think Coinbase trust. is Brian Armstrong. Oh, Brian, yeah, Brian Armstrong, yeah, yeah. You can't trust any of these motherfuckers, you know. But I think we, we you know, we keep like coins. Um, and I take, you know, every time I buy it, I, I take it off the exchange. Yeah, it's, it's you're foolish to, and the people who don't take the simple steps, you know, I, I home mine. Even if it's somebody who bought a single S9 and is running 10,000 sats a day on their S9, when mm. you're withdrawing that stuff from the pool that you're mining for, do not be putting those sats into the same wallet that all your KYC sats are sitting in. Yeah. Like it, At the minimum, you should be mixing your coins. But if you're not mixing your coins, at least, you know, that's how I have my shit set up right now. I DCA every week on an exchange. It's only $25. But right. we set that up forever ago, and I just leave it alone. Right. But all those sats go into one wallet, and everything that comes off my miners goes into other wallets that have no association with anything that's KYC'd to my name. Yeah. Because if it so happens, you know, and my plan is definitely to mix everything that I have that comes off the exchange once the number is big enough and it's worth it to me. But... If they decide, you know, if I wake up tomorrow morning and the headline is they seize such and such an exchange, they shut down this, they did that, you know, they have everybody's KYC information, at least some of my stack is yeah. not. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, yeah exa that's exactly what I'm doing, man. You know, I can't do anything about all the sats I bought on Coinbase that are on my fucking Trezor, but, you know, I'm. I'm now trying to stack, I'm not mining, but I'm trying to stack KYC lights or KYC free. And I put that on my cold card. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta fucking take possession of your own shit. You have to have it. It's once you know, and you believe in Bitcoin the way that we know and believe in Bitcoin, I believe it's your fucking duty as a Bitcoiner. And a lot of people will say, oh, don't buy from these KYC exchanges. But if you're already signed up with that KYC exchange, it is your fucking duty to remove fucking sats from their holdings. Yeah. You remove that shit and you fucking mix it and make it fucking disappear. Because fuck them. I mean, dude, honestly, like my the conviction I have is I would. If somebody said Bitcoin will win, but you lose your keys forever. You, you can never access them. I would rather take that than cash out right now and Bitcoin doesn't win. Yes. 
and that I, I, you you can't get that anywhere else. Like fucking gold bugs, shit coiners, the east heads, retards. Like no no one else has that level of conviction and commitment to how this thing can serve humanity. It's amazing. It's it's amazing. Yeah, that's because they don't believe in a cause. They believe no. in that that the simplest thing for me to see it, the simplest simplest lens for me to see it through is every other thing I've ever come across in my life, whether it was real estate or collectibles or whatever, mm. it's always in the end is about the fiat gains. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Bitcoin's the first place that I've come where I learned enough and I'm surrounded by a community of people who don't think in fiat games. No, it's like everyone who's when the, you know, when the price shoots up, like whether it was January of this year or April or whether it was last week when we broke 50 K again, they always come curious to me. This is no coiners. I get the curious text and they always say like, but are you taking profits on the way up? No, taking profits is converting your fear into Bitcoin. That is the taking profits. He's saying, I've worked for this money. You know, this is my time. This is my value. Converting it into Bitcoin is the taking profits. And that's it. That's the end of the story. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. Yes. I, that's actually, I haven't heard it that way before. And that's, you're absolutely right. Converting your fiat into Bitcoin is taking profits. Yeah, because if you don't, and it sits in the fucking bank... Like I had savings accounts last year and what really orange pilled me or red pilled or, you know, what, well, sorry, in March 2020, I had Bitcoin. I've been buying for two years at that point. And for me, it was like, I, I, I believe this is a good investment or I believe this is good savings. I believe this is a strong asset. I believe in it. But I still had money in the bank. And when the lockdown started in March of 2020, I'm in central London and there's people queuing up outside the bank. She's like, what's going on? And thinking back now, I think people were just prepping, you know, they're pulling out cash so they could buy toilet paper or some shit. But I thought, well, this is a fucking bank run. It could be a bank run. Could be a run on the banks right now. And I also, at the same time, saw Bitcoin crash to, it was three, three or four thousand dollars. But I knew what the, the real risk was, the true risk was keeping your money in cash. And that was what converted me to maximalism, to take all of my money out, out of the banks. Where I, you know, you get like half, half a percent interest it's like 50 bips 0.05 percent interest absolutely pathetic um so that i think is 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 for me at least one of the positives of what's happened over the last uh, 18 months is that it, it you know it lifted the veil on the system and um made me a maximalist absolutely and, you know, a lot of people will hate that I say this, but whatever, it's different things for different people. What brought me to that point was reading, everybody's going to call him a shit coiner, 
but reading Jason Williams' book, yeah, where he, where he described what happened in 2008 and how they've yeah. written, you know, at least for the United States, they've written legislature now that, you know, if that happens again, the bank is legally allowed to just drain your bank account and use your money. Yeah, yeah, bail-ins. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was afraid of. And yeah, dude, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit that I hated Twitter for 10 fucking years. I refused to use it because I thought it was some liberal blue-haired, you know, soapbox. But I reached out to some friends in March of last year and I said, you know, what's going on financially here with Bitcoin? And I got one text back saying, you know what, it's probably a good time to buy. And I had just been buying periodically every month. I've been stacking sets. I wasn't really familiar with the buy the dip meme, right? But I understood at that point that maybe it is actually a good time to buy when it's this low, if you believe in it. And and then I found Bitcoin Twitter. And I didn't actually join Twitter till the summer. But Jason was one of the first accounts because when you get into Bitcoin Twitter, you, who do you see? You probably see the Winklevoss, you probably see Pomp, and you probably see, uh, you know, the Binance guy, and you probably yeah. see Jace, Jason, right? And Jason's the most based person out of that group, and you're like, oh, this dude's yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, because I saw him, he was there, like, with his, his fucking Land Rover and his Glock sitting on the desk, and I was like, actually, you know what? If this guy is worth 100 million or 500 million, and he's putting all of his wealth into Bitcoin. You might want to pay attention, right? Um, so I, d- I don't even follow the guy now, but I, I know what you're saying is is uh, there's there's got to be an entry point for everyone, right? And I think now it's probably different with all the meme gangs. Is when you get the new plebs coming in, they probably immediately get attracted to the memes, and they you know they're stacking their I don't know, 0.01 Bitcoin, whatever it is, but everybody's got to have an entry point. Um, but but for me now, there's there's kind of a crossroads now where you cannot ignore that Bitcoin is the path to freedom and it's the path to truth and it's the path to escape tyranny and communism. And I think a year you know, in February of last year, people had a choice, which was, do you want to buy Tesla stocks or Ethereum or Bitcoin or real estate or gold? Or do you want to keep your money in the bank? I think for Bitcoiners now, there isn't a choice anymore between do you want to make some money or do you want to fight for freedom? And I think that's what is amazing about Bitcoin now is that it has become really the only weapon that we have or the only defense that we have this sort of god-given tool to fight tyranny because we remove the power we defund the corrupt globalists and politicians and fucking satanists like we literally defunding them yes absolutely the more money we take out of our system and or take out of their system and put into our system the better in my opinion yeah. Yeah, of course. And I think, yeah, I mean, like you said, everybody has has their entry point, and 
you know, my Bitcoin Twitter experience was very similar to yours. I got on Twitter because I was trading stocks. Yeah. And I followed some stock people on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And then I saw a couple of Bitcoiners. And like you said, it was the Winklevoss twins. And, you know, yeah. Michael, Michael Saylor was beginning to do a lot of interviews. So I followed right. him and you follow the Winklevi and you follow Pomp and you follow, you know, and then I saw Jason Williams and Jason Williams was like sort of like them, but just this outrageous dude. Like he posts the most. It took a little while to figure out a lot of it was satire. Right. But then, you know, you'll see people who are actually tied into the Bitcoin scene commenting on his stuff most of the time ripping on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that kind of like dove me into Bitcoin. But like you said, or Bitcoin Twitter. But like you said, now I think it's different. And I think that's a huge value that the meme crews really bring to the scene. Well, also, that... I think the, the Remnant gang, because you got your yes. Liberty Blitz, like Michael Krieger. And it, it, he's not even really posting about Bitcoin, even though he's Bitcoin maximalist. He's talking about freedom. He's a freedom maximalist. Same with Alex Svetsky. Same with Francis Pouliot, um, you know, even Mark Moss, he, you know, he's completely commercialized his his brand and, and his his personality. But every single fucking video he does, it's it's about freedom maximalism. Um, we have and the, we have memers that cross that that blend that that um, that line really well, too. Like Spinty is really good. Yeah, at Spinty is he's essentially doing with memes what Laser is doing with his documentation and his exposation, like how he's exposing the corruption. Same yes. thing. What Spinty is doing is, is, is in meme form. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And like you said, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't add anything, but at least if I can help, <laughs> you know, as a fucking 45 year old pleb, if I can help, because these guys is, is it's probably a fucking full-time job what laser is doing um, oh yeah if i can help in some way then great and if i can't help then at least i'm stacking sats and i'm never selling and i'm putting it all in cold storage maybe that's enough i don't know but you're adding value you do add va i think every pleb adds value right at, at least as far as like bitcoin twitter is concerned yeah because when you come into bitcoin twitter and you see this massive ecosystem of all these like-minded people that's much more has much more of an impact than if you came and there was like, you know, if everybody had the attitude, well, I don't really add anything to the space. So I'll leave it to the people, yeah. the big names. Then you have yeah. five or six people who all have the, who live in an echo chamber yeah. and everybody's silently sitting by. No, no, but we're, we're, when we drop a Liotta, we're adding value. Exactly. Right. Or, or at least we're helping because a Nakadai, Who's a great, I think he's Swedish. Uh, he's kind of doing similar to what Laser Huddle is doing, exposing the lies, you know, documenting the corruption and the bullshit and the tyranny. Um, he posted a video which I thought was fantastic. I put it in our the re retod group chat. It was the mass psychosis of of essentially the world. And if you watch that video, it's worth watching. It's like twenty five minutes long. Everybody is literally the most important video anybody could watch this year. Um, it exposes how communists and globalists and, and authoritarianism, author, authoritarians uh, essentially have, have um, can and have, through COVID, 
hypnotized um, the masses, essentially the whole world. Um, or as we know, it's probably more like 50% of the world. But it was really interesting at the end of that video, the last five minutes, it explains um, what is the the solution or the uh, the antidote to um, authoritarianism, totalitarianism, is essentially not to flee, not to escape the uh, the grips of authoritarianism. It is to build a new ecosystem within, and it says that begins with becoming self-aware, setting your own soul free, as Bitcoiners have, and then becoming a beacon of hope for others, which is, for me, which is what Francis Pouliot and Michael Krieger and Alex Svetsky and Laser Hollow, they are, they're beacons of hope because we go to them we, we, and, and we can, we can um, uh, listen to what they have to say as, as a source of hope. And then building ecosystem, uh, 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 essentially, I think it's called a parallel structure is what they call it in the video. Um, which for us as Bitcoiners is a citadel. And the citadel doesn't necessarily mean you build a castle or you build a farm by yourself. The citadel is essentially what Bitcoin Twitter is. It's what Bitcoin is. It's just within you as a sovereign individual. And then what was excellent is the point after that, they said these despots, these, these demagogues and these tyrants, they do not have a sense of humor, right? If you ridicule them, this is how you can defeat them. And that I thought was fantastic because everything in Bitcoin with the memes is we're essentially ridiculing these people. You know, the, you see Christine Lagarde or uh, Janet Yellen, even fucking Joe Biden. Like, come on, they're just constantly ridiculed with their pathetic fear bullshit. Christine Lagarde's a fucking criminal. It's like she's head of the ECB. But we meme the fuck out of them. <laughs> and uh, all of these things that were kind of listed as the antidote to totalitarianism, but all the things that Bitcoiners are doing is brilliant. Absolutely. And like you said, that's that was kind of the point that I was trying to make, too, that like, um, like you said, we meme the fuck out of them. And I think that is such a good like transitional piece into Bitcoin. People that find the you know the space on Twitter, yeah, and you'll see one of Spinty's memes, and you'll be like, "Oh shit, that's funny," and you'll click on his profile to scroll through, yeah, and you see everybody that he's linked to, and you're like, "Hold on, there's all these other people that you know maybe from you know from a first look, but whoa, they're crazy about Bitcoin, but hey, they believe this thing that I believe, yeah, and they can see through the lies that I can see through. Maybe they're on to something, and like exactly. you know, honestly, the world is depressing as fuck." People want to, I go online to laugh. Yeah. Like, so people come in, they see the memes and the memes are funny. So it gives them some, you know, come for the memes, stay for the freedom, I guess. Exactly. And a meme is good because it's true and it distills truth, be it through ridicule or humor into just one very simple message. And that's why the left can't meme, shitcoiners can't meme, East heads can't meme. Bitcoin is literally they, it's the best memes ever because Bitcoin is truth, right? Yes. I think the only time I've ever seen anything that's remotely as funny was all the God Emperor Trump memes in 2016. <laughs> and that's what literally got Trump elected because it's like he's going to drain the swamp. These are all fucking pedo, sick, Satanist Democrats. And 
his truth shone through through all those memes of like God Emperor Trump with the I think he had even laser eyes or something, but obviously he wasn't the savior that we all thought he was gonna be, but um though there was truth in those memes for sure. Absolutely. They've been around somebody, I forget who posted it, but somebody posted it. It was like, you know, a meme from a nineteen twenty newspaper. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the it was like Instagram versus reality, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah. But that's you know, a medium like that stays around that long because there's truth behind it. Like you said, it's it's condensed truth. It's it's a long, lengthy explanation article boiled down into something that the average person can look at and get a laugh out of it and be like, you know, it's funny because it's true. Like we say that and laugh. But like, yeah. that's it. It's funny because it's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, I, th- I think even all of the um, the uh, the fundamentals of Bitcoin is it, it, all of it's a meme. Is like, I think the best meme is twenty one divided infinity divided by twenty one million. Like, but also HFSP is a fucking brilliant meme because it's it's just. It, it says so much with just four, a four letter acronym. Um, yeah. We're not going to make it. That was, that's another one of yeah. my, <laughs> my favorites. I found that on Bitcoin Twitter. Yeah. NGMI, NGU, like there's so many great fucking memes, but um, I think honestly, I think the most piercing brilliant meme is, is just uh 21 uh, infinity divided by 21 M because it's, it's so true. It's like, it, it, it's everything there is. And ever will be for infinity will be valued in divisions of 21 million Satoshi, uh, 21 million bitcoins. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing is, it's one of those things that you see. Um, like the first time you see it, you're like, ah, I mean, I mean, it can't be everything. And then the more you go down the rabbit hole and the more you learn, you're like, you know, it's fucking everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally yeah, everything. <laughs> yeah, totally. I put in in the in the in the group chat. I said, uh, "I'm about to send to a someone who's curious or is a no coiner." Then the the Knut Svanholm video on YouTube, which is you know, is, is explains the everything divided by twenty one million, and nobody came up with a better thing. That it's like a nine minute video, and if that doesn't orange pill you, or at least get you to put a little bit of skin in the game. Then nothing else will. I'll have to. I uh, haven't seen it. Oh, uh, I'll send it to you, bro. I'll send it to you. You have to. Well, Husky, it's been a good talk. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Yeah, sorry for keep dropping out. That was my mistake. But no, um, I can't wait. I can't can wait you, to post it without editing. Can you stitch it together? I'm not going to stitch shit. It's going up just the way it is. Oh, really? Oh, was it, it one recording then? <laughs> no. Okay. I, I'll kind of, you know. It'll drop out, and then you'll hear it say, "Sorry, I lost you." I'll just do okay. it over and over and over again. Just cool, man. That's what yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I am. A, I'm a podcast virgin, and I will retain my uh, chastity only for the blue collar pleb scat chat. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, brother. And I'll see you around. Uh, see you around Twitter. Thank you, my man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Adios. Later. Adios.